0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at microsoft.com teams. <laughs> Welcome to A
1: Real Man Wood Podcast. This is Chris Liss, your host, and I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host from Yahoo Sports, Dalton Del Don. What's going on, man?
2: Oh, not much, Liss. It's your favorite time of year, your favorite time of the podcast when I talk about the Warriors. Man, 31-1, and the last 32 games with Curry without Durant. First-time teammates had triple-doubles in the same playoff game. Andy Barons is trying to get me to... Fly to Chicago. I guess uh, it's only a 90-minute drive to Milwaukee. So assuming the Bucks make it, uh, join my boss, Jason. He lives close by, too. May go see a finals game. Not all good, though, here in the Bay Area. The Sharks did lose. Um, I know that's a big, big NHL talk in this pod. But other than that list, I actually don't have a ton going on. Uh, what about yourself, man?
1: Not that much. I've been really, really frustrated with baseball. I was on a huge run. I was just getting to the point where – I got up to fifth place in my main event, and then all my hitting was still last in every category except steals, or second or third to last, but they were, I got right behind a big pack of everybody in the other categories, and all I needed was to continue my run, and not only did my guys get cold, but I sat um, Sonny Gray this week, because he's at Milwaukee, little did I know that Yelich would be scratched, Sonny Gray pitches seven shutout innings, or six shutout innings with nine Ks, gets a win, first win of the season, and I mm-hmm. had Colin McHugh, who I picked up this week in my lineup as sort of a safe middle reliever who who knows if he you know gets a long relief win. Ends up going on the DL on Tuesday after the Astros had played, so I couldn't switch it. And then I also had Sean Kelly on my bench, who just now got a second save of the week, and I desperately need saves. So I've left two saves, a win in 9Ks, perfect DRA. And what I didn't say, not only do I have McHugh in my lineup, who obviously is not even pitching this week, but I have Michael Walker, who just got bombed at home by the Royals. Oh. or Maybe he was at Kansas City. But, I mean, it's just it's the type of stuff, you know. And, of course, like you just say, well, I'm just trying to play matchups. I'm just trying to play percentages. Nothing's 100%. It might be 60-40. And, of course, that 40 is going to come up. I mean, every time you stick on a 17, which you do every time, and a 4 comes to the next person, you don't say, ah, oh, I should have hit. But it is just extremely frustrating when I'm just at this very important juncture with my team and it's just starting to disappear again just as it got out of the, out of the woods. And now it's back in like 10th. I mean, whatever. It's a long season. I got plenty of time. But I, I really desperately needed those starts and I, I could not have managed it worse.
2: I hear you. That's frustrating. Yeah, the start today was in St. Louis, a home one for Waka. Yeah, just shelled against a bad Royals offense man Marcel Azuna is just killing me because I don't own him anywhere and I he kind of fell in the main event league and I crazy that that guy's batting only 233 because he has 42 RBIs I don't know how many homers what 13 homers crazy it's batting average is so low because it seems like he's raking every time but yeah I hear you um Liss uh I was on uh Erickson's uh podcast before the uh the weekend, and we talked all the fab results. I'm going to talk fab results, talk what you know, how much those players are going to go for. Let's talk some results now. Did you get any of the big name prospects that came up?
1: I went big on Austin Riley in that auction league that I thought was left for dead. I mean, Stanton's got to stop, you know, injuring his knee and getting hit by a pitch while he's rehabbing, uh, but we got Austin Riley in that league, which was good. And uh, that was the only that was the only league I had enough money to go big in. So the other leagues, yeah. I got some other random guys. But man, I, I kind of feel like all my teams have a pulse, except maybe one of the beat Chris Lisses that's in twelfth. I even like that team though. I just I just need to get I just need to get it going. It's still a long season. I, all the teams three four weeks ago they were all so far back in so many categories. I thought this is going to be a lost season. But now. It got me, you know, like it woke me up. I was like, "Wow, well, I'm getting close. So I'm still in range, even though, you know, right now, some of the teams have a ways to go.
2: Yeah. And Puig's doing exactly what I've heard you fear he's going he going to do, you know, get off to a slow start and then suffer that injury. And of course he suffered it on a Sunday afternoon. So I, I have him in there in a lineup or two. Odour on the flip side, I was finally fed up with him and benched him in a league or two and he's starting to go off. So yeah lineup decisions like that are certainly annoying um i'm with you i i burnt most of my budget on studs like cole tucker so fab wise um, nice. actually league of leagues league of leagues i did get austin riley for nice. us um nice so that's 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 pretty good yeah we're um we're somehow up uh like 10 points in that league without stanton without much from daniel murphy and the starting pitchers i've talked about have Been a big help but uh Mickey Lopez I ended up with, like, for 15 bucks in, a, in an online championship in a league that I lost, Altuve. And I don't know, right. man. I kind of I, I, – maybe I'm talking myself into him because he's the only other guy that I got. But he has, like, the crazy, crazy plate discipline. Batting average counts. He's, like, whatever. It looks like he's uh, – as far as job security, not only is he there in KC, but he's batting second. And that team leads baseball in stolen bases by, like, a mile over the last couple of years, including this one. So they run like crazy. So I don't know i kind of interested in him. But the other guy I wanted to ask you about is that Jordan Alvarez. Um, man, are you seeing the video game numbers he's putting up? And the fact that the Astros, their WRC plus right now is 132. The next highest team, 120 the teams, So the, the twins, sorry. My twins, by the way. Such a good bet. 65 to 1 with Sino back. But that's easily the is best. Is it better than your baseball. Senzel
1: uh, Vlad fantasy bet? Because you kind of forgot there's like this fifth category that only one of them contributes in.
2: I like that he's running. I have Sinzel in my home leagues. I'm rooting for him. And he's running crazy. He just got caught stealing too. Um, so, he, yeah, he keeps running. But, uh, yeah, no, that one's certainly not, not over for sure, for sure, Liz. But, anyway, this Alvarez guy is just absolutely raking in the minors. slugging like Barry Bonds' best season right now. And uh, eventually, at whatever, White, whoever he replaces, the Astros team, Looks freaking dominant. What is Alvarez um, in leagues? So what's what's the deal with like NFBC? If he's because he's not called up in leagues, he's not stashed. He's gonna break records, right?
1: Uh, people are gonna go big on him for sure. It's crazy because the Astros are doing this without Altuve doing anything and then being hurt.
2: Right. Yeah, so like Altuve
1: too. was their you know their MVP guy. Springer obviously is also a good start. And now he's banged up. But Correa has been good. Brantley's been really good. But they're not even at full strength. They haven't really even hit you know every cylinder yet. So if this dude comes up and starts crushing it's just going to be insane. And you know the whole team that's why I think when I'm doing the second chance league on on Sunday. Yeah. I may take Verlander as the first pitcher because it's just the run support he's going to get and he's in that park, great bullpen. It's just everything's you know on his side. Like Scherzer's great, but like the team kind of sucks. The bullpen's shaky. Verlander could win 24 games. I mean, it's one of those seasons where as long as he stays healthy and pitches reasonably well, he's just going to keep winning games.
2: Yeah, no, I wrote Closing Time Tuesday nights, and I, and I wrote about Verlander might be like the number one commodity, not just pitcher, but commodity right. moving forward because that uh, environment really matters. I think he has like two more wins than Scherzer, DeGrom, and Sale combined right now. Yeah. I mean, that, that matters. I mean, that matters. I mean, obviously can be fluky and run support isn't you know totally perfect you know maybe teammates can have wildly different run support in, in a given season but still uh it's certainly in the right environment and given of course this means he's doomed and he is older but he's also like a horse too right doesn't he just seem so safe if you look deeper in the numbers he's not quite as good as his like last year skip or whatever but his swinging strike percentage is the same and he's just so so good and you know, i love that environment so i will i mean i consider him with like the first overall pick really and here's a guy you know who's against going starting pitchers
1: yeah, and I am definitely have him in the first five. I think Trout probably still number one because he's that version of the hitter, which is even more safe. I think Betts, even though he's off to a slow start, is probably top five. Yelich has this back thing. I mean, I would put Yelich at two except that it's the second time he's missed time with a back problem. Didn't seem to slow him down when he came back last time, but you know, you don't get the stats that are banked. So that's a bit of an issue. I, I wouldn't take Bellinger in the you know early first, maybe like late first, but I just don't expect him to keep it up. It's just so insane. I mean, I don't know what he regresses to, and maybe he regresses to just being Aaron Judge the rest of the way or what we expected from Aaron Judge, which is pretty good. I'd I probably keep the board mostly the same. Jose Ramirez i probably toss into the third round uh, now, but some of these other guys, the Lindor could be a top-five pick. He's running and hitting for power already. I think Sale's a first-round pick. I think he's pretty much out of the woods. I don't think DeGrom is. I think he's still a little shaky, so... I probably go uh, Verlander, Scherzer, Sale as my first three pitchers.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'm sorry if I missed you, Say, but Did you do the KDS yet? You know what, pick you I up? I
1: haven't. I haven't done it. I've left it alone. I don't think I'm going to mess with it because we don't really know ADP, and there'll be some provisional ADP that comes out the next couple of days. But I don't know. I'm not. I just I'm not that interested in strategizing. What uh, I'm just going to play. I'm just going to have fun with it. I, I don't really. I'm not going to really like strategize like which where i want to pick i don't really know what's going to happen
2: yeah that could be fun i haven't done signed up for one is yours is yours filled up
1: no it's not you can join in you can uh redeem yourself for the 100 that you're going to lose in the other one
2: yeah i'm not so sure about that one i've been making decent comebacks in um in my other leagues at main event i'm in fifth place and man uh, my my pitching strategy for what it's worth i'm second in wins and third in era the craziest though is friends and family dude I, i don't have a starting pitcher in that league that I'm using until the 21st round. It's a 15-teamer with industry people. Yes, no money involved, but people definitely take that serious. You've been in it every year until this one. 15-teamer, didn't take a starting pitcher in the first 20 rounds that I'm using, and I'm first in ERA and whip, and I have the most innings pitched, and second in Ks. I'm just, That's it's hilarious. It's crazy. <laughs> but it just shows how much I've been... I mean, I should be just totally running away with it because my hitters, I just not did not do a very good job so i guess my takeaway is even if my strategy isn't right for everyone it is right for me because i guess i'm certainly better at getting pitchers later or through the waiver wire which is might might be why i kind of was leaning this way anyway but now i just got to figure out drafting those those hitters a little bit better but uh certainly going with volume that's that's why i was thinking that way but anyway um your your team's kind of fading back though Liz. i i could like say mine might have been going the other way all right you're you're saying for the bulk of yours now, is going my, the other way my
1: teams are doing better like tout Wars is doing well the main event i dropped a little in strikeouts and i really screwed up the lineup setting this week just terrible but i still like it i actually think even though i've got a lot of pitching points and not a lot of hitting points i actually think my hitting's really good and it's close to surging through a lot of uh a tight pack of of people in the standings in a bunch of categories. So I actually think pitching is the bigger issue for me. The one guy I have is Ryu. That guy's been carrying me. So I'm like oh. first in ERA and second in whip, but strikeouts are low and saves. I'm a little bit nervous about column. is the only closer I drafted that survived so far. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still optimistic. I mean, the difference between fifth and 10th in that league is like six points. So it's not like, you know, it's not like I dropped it massively. But I still have hope. But I'm—I gotta figure out the closers, and I gotta shore up the pitching. And I'm just aghast at the damage I did this week, uh, by my, you know, which is my own fault. I had—I had a really nice couple of weeks that got me out of the the hole that I had dug. And I want to get back to that. You know, it's kind of addictive. Every day for like two weeks like Chris Bryant hit three home runs, Justin Turner hit three home runs. These are guys that having multiple teams. I'm waking up. Corey Seager hits a grand slam. You know, Puig started to hit a little bit. I was just like every day waking up being like, this is amazing. Like everybody's hitting finally. Uh, and then there's been a little bit of a lull for a week. So I'm, I'm ready to get back to the uh, every morning seeing my guys
2: rake. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, lineup decisions are definitely can be can be frustrating. A um, couple of football things I did want to ask you about this week. First is uh, I saw I vaguely remember hearing about this a while ago. Then I have not. And then I heard you talk about it. Uh, this crown league. What exactly is that?
1: So, the Crown League is this league wherein it's basically just an expert football league, keeper league. But the the wrinkle of it is you're sort of running this franchise that represents the city. Jeff and I, for God knows what reason, got Texas. I guess LA was taken already, so they put us in Texas. Not that we actually have to go to Texas, but we're the, the Texas Holy Smokers. So, that's us. It's a QB Flex League. It's, you know, I was looking at the scoring system. All that's like perfectly fine. But the, the wrinkle is that other people, like the public can buy shares of our squad and and I'm not sure what the terms are, but basically like if we win money because we win the league, they can either sell their shares to someone else or, or get dividends from them. So it's sort of like an investment. and it's kind of cool because you know normally you just have your own fantasy teams and nobody cares, but in this sense we can all invest in the same team. like you want to go buy some shares in my team, which I'm sure you would. Uh, fade fade yeah yeah or you could fade and buy him you know on some (laughs) other team but the point is that you know it's and so then like all of us can be sort of in it together it's sort of and and it's texas so they were hoping like okay like just like people in texas just naturally root for the cowboys or the or the texans they might like naturally root for the holy smokers and buy in and you know and make money off it when we do well especially if they like the players that we draft and there's some sense of interaction where like the people who have ownership because they've bought in can like influence some marginal, like if there's a 50 50 call, we might put it to our co-owner, our fellow owners and let them vote on it or something like that. And whoever they vote on, you know, we'll, we'll put in the lineup. Uh, my concern is, and I, I set have to meet with them. There's a bunch of stuff to be done, but like, you know, what exactly is the rake for the public? Right? Cause if, if they're making money off of it, there's gotta be some kind of rake. Maybe there isn't, maybe they pay out in full and they make money on something else. But I need to know all that first. Like, that's stuff that I, I asked them, and they were like, oh, yeah, we they actually had to file with the SEC because it's like offering shares to the public. It's like, it's pretty uh, involved, you know? So they had to file with the SEC. So right. I'm going to f- find out that stuff. And, I, I, you know, and, and we signed up, and it's, it looks like it's going to be fun, but I don't want to go out like promoting it to people until I know what the rake is, you know? Because if it's like a shit deal, of course I'll do it. I said I'd do it, but I'm not going to be like promoting the shit out of it. Like, if it's like ripping people off. But if it's a good deal, And it's like, you know, sort of true odds. I'll definitely do it. You know, we love the NFBC. The NFBC has a rake. I think it's like 20%. I don't know what exactly it is, but it's, they have to pay for their operations, make a profit, set up everything. And I still love the NFBC and I I promote it, but I'm not going to like say there's no rake that, you know, that those guys aren't making money. They're not doing it for, they're not running a charity, running the NFBC. And they're also, you show up in Vegas and there's a buffet and there's tables and a room rented and people recording all the draft picks and everything for you i mean and they build the software all that stuff's not free but i still think it's a good deal because it's just like an amazing product and like in my opinion the best contest out there so i'm happy to promote it so i you know it's kind of up to the the crown guys to deliver and if they deliver and it's like a great product then i will be i told them i'll be happy to promote it
2: yeah the best part is when they pay you when you win um but
1: uh well they they won't i don't you know it's not like we're getting some huge amount of money for it either you know so it's sort of like it's it's really it's kind of on them to like build something really good and it looks like it's pretty good i mean they so far like they the stuff they've rolled out looks pretty cool we're gonna have to see what happens when we actually do the draft and like what the setup is and and we'll see and they, they raised a decent amount of money so like let's see if they can execute on it
2: yeah, Crown League sounds uh, sounds interesting to me and an interesting concept. And the, I checked out the site after already talking about it, so I'll, I'll be uh, I'll be looking into it. Keep uh, keep letting us know how that goes. The um, the other football topic I wanted to bring up, um, I believe you said you just sent off your wide receiver write ups for the the football mag, correct?
1: Correct. Yes.
2: So uh, did anything jump out? Do you know, I want to? I mean, you just wrote a bunch of blurbs for wide receivers. So with that fresh in your mind, um, I have a specifics if you guys want to throw at you but uh, did you have any general thoughts about it before i get to it
1: well i had to be restrained about projecting juju smith schuster's targets because i could give him like 180 really because ben roethlisberger led the nfl in attempts by a mile last year by like 50 attempts it wasn't even close and antonio brown and his 168 targets are gone and juju had 160 plus last year and there's a bunch of guys like dante Moncrief, james washington i mean it's even I, Lev Bell isn't I there. I, I mean, there's just nobody yeah. to really take in those targets. So I have Juju as the number one target guy. And then you put him in the number one target guy, and he's been pretty efficient in his career so far. It's hard not to rank him really high. I have him number three. So I have number one is is Hopkins. Number two is Julio Jones. Julio Jones is basically the same guy he's always been. His yards per target, all that stuff is still like ten. You know, it's like it's crazy. He hasn't slowed down at all. And then I have Juju three and Devontae Adams four. So most people wouldn't have Juju that high, but it was just hard not to have the, and I only gave him like nine touchdowns. I gave Adams 11, but even so in full PPR, it was hard not to have Juju come out really, really high.
2: Yeah. And then what about Beckham now with a quarterback? I mean, I, I, just the targets, you just can't miss targets and the injury. I mean, but the upside is as high as them all.
1: Yeah. The upside is super high, but yeah, I mean, I don't know that he's going to get 170 targets because Landry's such a target hog. I don't know how, what, what mysterious power Landry has to get people to throw him the ball. He's not that good, but I think he'll get his 130 or whatever. So that's, that's there. And then yeah, Beckham's just been hurt so much, you just can't project him to be that one you know, 170 target guy. So I gave him like 145. He's still like sixth, but I couldn't put him in the top.
2: Yeah, I guess defensive division and Joku's there. Even the Browns. have a It's not
1: really defense defensive division though so. anymore. I mean, I guess the Ravens, but that's that's about it.
2: Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, no, I, I love Beckham. I think I tentatively have him rank like, one. My, my question, he basically was one through six. I feel like that whole tier um, with Michael Thomas too. I mean, his what he was doing, you know, before and after Mark Ingram, and now Ingram's gone. I mean, I guess you could say Latavius Murray just replaces that. just Thomas should go back? Is he a distant sixth to you in, in Antonio Brown territory? But that sixth to me, I could probably be talked into any order whatsoever.
1: Yeah, so I think I have number five. I think I have Antonio Brown. I have to look it up. And then Beckham six, and then Thomas seven, and Mike Evans eight. And that's my first tier. That that ends the yep. first tier. Wow. My, Mike Evans, people don't realize. That guy had 1,500 yards, was ridiculously efficient. They got rid of... Deshaun Jackson and Adam Humphreys I mean they're gonna it's just him and Chris Godwin and OJ Howard that's it and the defense is horrible they released Gerald yeah. McCoy they're gonna throw a a ton James Winston is gonna throw picks but he's also gonna throw a lot of touchdowns it's gonna be a carnival there Bruce Arians is the coach they're gonna throw deep I think Mike Evans is you know gonna score like 10 touchdowns at least and have like another 1500 yards so I think he's also tier one and Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas only had 147 targets. He caught like 125 of them or something ridiculous. Right. It, did you? Okay, so here's what jumped out. Here's, here's a crazy stat. So there have been 44 receivers in NFL history through last year that have had, and this is, I guess, tracking back to like 1992 uh, because they didn't do targets before then. But there's been 44 receivers since 1992 that had 100 targets or more and caught 70% of them. So 100 or more targets and caught at least a 70% catch rate, only 44. And the all-time record for catch rate with more than 100 targets was Wes Welker in like, you know, one of those years with the Patriots where he had like 77%. And the guy below him was like 76 and 75 and a half, et cetera, et cetera. Michael Thomas caught 85% last year on 147 (laughs) targets.
2: Yeah, crazy. Just so absurd. So you're saying that's going to regress.
1: Well, uh, I mean, exactly. he's with the all-time completion percentage king, Drew Brees. It's not just a complete coincidence. I mean, Drew Brees broke right. his own record for completion percentage last year. And so and we're in the dink and dunk era. You know, everybody's dink and dunking. So, you know, I think Michael Thomas will regress to like 78%, 79%. gets another 147 targets. He'll catch 108 passes or whatever. You know, he's going to catch 100-plus. He just doesn't do a whole lot. He's... He stands really close to the quarterback. His average depth of target is not very far down the field. He's not explosive. Uh, He does get some red zone work. I mean, he'll probably score 9, 10 touchdowns again. But if he doesn't catch 125 passes, I I just don't think his his upside is, you know, that's why I have him like number seven. I think he's obviously the floor is ridiculous, but I don't think he has the ceiling of some of those other guys.
2: Yeah, um, that's fair. I probably have Evans a couple slots too low because I love Godwin, but you talked me into it. They don't have any running backs there either. No. So I have like I have him like below Hilton, and maybe I shouldn't do that. I mean, I do like I do like that setup there. One thing I will counter with you though, I think it's a little crazy to have Antonio Brown above those other six, though, man. I mean you're relying on a new system, kind of a head case, a guy in decline, and now Derek Carr. I, I don't know. I, I feel like to me he's a step behind those six. That's that's the one thing I would say.
1: Well I made him fifth I mean I the only guy he's ahead of I mean I could have put I could put him behind Beckham and it's just that Beckham just has durability problems I mean he missed four games his rookie year he missed like I want to say eleven games lot two years in two thousand and seventeen and he missed another four games last year and now he's you know getting a little bit older i just yeah. I just don't you know again like if we gave everybody health sixteen games of health I think I'd have Beckham like third but the sort of expected half game, full game missed below those guys, I think it costs him a little bit. And he's in a new, you know, he's in a new system, new role. I mean, obviously Baker Mayfield's really good. I don't think Carr's a problem. I think is going to throw a lot of passes. And Gruden system is pretty good for that kind of thing, for fantasy production for receivers. And Brown, he sort of looked like he slowed down on a per play basis last year, but he's had 15 touchdowns last year. So <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I still
1: good. think, I, I still think, I don't think Carr is beneath the level that, I, I think, and sometimes you're better off having a Carr-level QB for your fantasy receiver than a Philip Rivers, Drew Brees-level QB. Because those other guys throw to the open guy, and the semi-competent QB focuses and targets the guy he trusts the most.
2: right. All right, that's fair. Um, okay, a couple other guys I want to ask you specifically. I know you're typically against guys like this, and, um, usually I'm right there with you, but where did you end up ranking Julian Edelman? I mean, that situation is just so good, man. He could just be a monster. I have him. I don't know. Do you have him? Why why is he not ahead of even Diggs and Thielen? Like, I have him 15th right now, but I get a half PR, but I feel like that's even that's being modest. And I'm going to guess you have him lower.
1: Way, way, way lower. I mean, come on, he's thirty-three. He's had like how many concussions? And full PPR, which obviously is his best. I have him twenty-four.
2: Wow, twenty-four. I mean ninety-eight catches two years ago, seventy-four in twelve games last year. No Gronk. Man, it's such that system so much. I have him for
1: eighty nine catches, nine hundred and sixty six yards, and five touchdowns.
2: Yeah, so he's gonna yeah, all right. Well, he scored six last year in twelve games. Maybe Brady finally declines, maybe. I mean, I I think
1: Brady's not as good as he used to be. And I think the Patriots are, you know, they'll throw to Edelman. They'll throw to James White. They'll throw to Ben Watson. They'll throw to one of those receivers, whether it's Demarius Thomas or Philip Dorsett or Josh Gordon or the rookie. Who the hell knows what they'll do? Edelman will get his. I also think there's just a high chance of injury. He's 33. And he's been concussed like four or five times. I just think there's a really – I just don't see him doing like – I guess he could pull a Larry Fitzgerald and just have one of those 160-target seasons where he catches he, – I guess his upside is what Fitzgerald was a couple of years ago where he just would catch 107 balls for like, you know, eight yards a catch or whatever and, you know, 10 yards a catch and like get 1,000 yards and like seven touchdowns, but – I'm not really. He did have
2: 100. He did have 160 targets or 159 the last time he did play that full season. But yeah, um, but yeah, how old is he? I, yeah, yeah, it was a couple years ago. I mean, he's
1: uh, 30. Okay. He's like 33 now, man. This is.
2: This, it's I mean, a Larry good Fitzgerald's setup. a Hall
1: of uh, Famer. Larry Fitzgerald's a Hall of Famer. Julian Edelman is a tough guy who's exceeded his. You know, who's the, I, I know I know Ted Bell is like gonna throw a fit if he hears this, but he's just like a tough guy who's exceeded his worth.
2: It's funny, I'm looking at it now. It's his thirty-third birthday today, literally, as we ah. record this. So ha- happy, happy birthday, Julian Edelman.
1: Edelman.
2: So um I plus knew plus the roids have
1: probably worn off by now, you know. It, he probably had some residual benefit from them last year. All right. <laughs> and by the way, happy All birthday, right. Julian Edelman.
2: Yeah. I knew you were gonna be down on him, but um okay, so next next I want to ask you, what about Lockett? I thought he was a definite stay away. Because um, you know, like he's not going to repeat the highest quarterback rating ever thrown to him volume. But man, no Doug Baldwin. I mean, yeah, those rookies are kind of exciting, but so raw. So well, where do you land on Lockett? I've kind of moved him. I think you have to move him up after the Baldwin news.
1: Number forty in PPR. He's better in non PPR. But I mean, Lockett.
2: Hey,
1: Lockett. How many targets do you think Lockett got last year?
2: Oh, I know he couldn't have had a lot because the, the. How
1: many you think he got? Just take a guess.
2: Oh, man. 110? I don't know.
1: Okay, you're too high. Go down. Take another guess.
2: 95.
1: Uh, you're too high. Go down. 90. You're too high. Go down.
2: 85.
1: You're too high. Keep going.
2: Uh, 70.
1: 70 is correct.
2: 70 targets. Wow. Yeah, that's not very many.
1: So I gave him 83 targets this year. Here's the thing. Baldwin didn't play for someone last year and wasn't prominent in a lot of games. And Lockett still, despite being the most efficient receiver in NFL history, and he literally was the most efficient receiver in NFL history, he had like 13.9 yards of target. He's pushing 14. Jordy Nelson pushed 12 one year on 98 targets, and that was the most efficient prior. Lockett killed Jordy Nelson's efficiency. And this is like, he's the most efficient season of all time. That was only 70 targets, so say it doesn't qualify, but on, for 70 targets, there's not even anyone
0: close in the last 30 years. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cash back or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from VCUSA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. But they still, despite him being that good, only gave him 70 targets. Now, Baldwin goes away,
1: but Baldwin was a shell of himself last year, and they get D.K. Metcalf, who's like Julio Jones athletic. They get this guy, Gary Jennings, who's like a really good athlete himself. They get this guy like John Ursua or something that's supposedly good. They brought in a lot of guys. So the three of them, you got to feel at least are going to match what Baldwin did last year, which wasn't much, probably a lot more. And then Seattle was dead last in passing attempts last year, 427 passing attempts, 32nd, and they made the playoffs. So it's not like it was a failed, you know, it wasn't like the team was some kind of failure where they have to scrap what they did. I think it's going to be very similar. I think Rashad Penny's going to get a lot more work split with Yeah, Piss I was going to say that.
2: I was going to ask you, what do you think, where do you land on the Carson-Penny situation i kind of
1: have penny higher i just think they took him in the first round every time i watched him play he looked good i know carson's a bruiser but i think carson kind of like the marion the barbarian you know remember that guy marion barber he's good but of course
2: of course
1: just like seems like he's gonna get hurt but uh yeah Lockett. i gave Lockett 83 targets so i gave him a bump in targets and i still gave him like you know 10 yards a target or whatever but a little bit more, not another 844 ten, yards. Not,
2: not, another, not another 10 touchdowns to go with those uh, Five. Targets. I gave
1: him five. You know, he's tiny. Uh, I would give him five. DK yeah, uh, okay. Metcalf's right, going to be, I mean, that dude's like 6'3", 228, and runs a four three one. I mean, that guy's going to get some targets, I think.
2: Yeah, I know. Monster. I wonder why he fell so far. Probably because he, everyone listened to my agility worries. I think that's what, uh, why he fell. He listened to the podcast. I brought him up. But
1: this podcast is very influential in NFL circles. I think a lot of draft decisions are based on it
2: that's what i think would happen dave
1: gettleman definitely listens there's no doubt about that because he knows (laughs) he just thinks what would a real man do real man says fuck it we're taking daniel jones i don't give a shit if no one else would take him to round three we're all in
2: yeah exactly all right well you you shat on my first two so i hope the third's different. uh Robbie Anderson, this guy I do, I do like specifically. So, so let's hear the negatives. Robbie Anderson.
1: So I have him 32 and I love Robbie Anderson as a player. And this is PPR. He'd be a lot higher in non PPR because he's got 955 yards and seven touchdowns for me, 104 targets. But I mean, fucking Adam Gaze, how can you trust that guy?
2: Yeah, I, know. I mean, so it
1: weird. could be a It could be Robbie Anderson. It could be Chris Herndon. It could be Jamison Crowder. Le'Veon Bell's involved, but apparently they don't want Le'Veon Bell. I mean, who the hell knows who's getting the ball? And for like three weeks, Anderson can look like a you know, top 10 receiver, and then for no reason, they may not throw to him for a couple of weeks. I mean, it is, you know, you're, it's kind of like drafting a closer that plays for Gabe Kapler. It's like, how the hell are you going to figure this shit out? So I, I just, uh, I have him 32. I, I think there's a ceiling that's probably top 15, but there's a floor that's like, I can't start this guy.
2: Yeah. Darnold could be good. Uh, but the running back, yeah, obviously with bell there now could soak up a lot of targets and he had a coaching situation. Certainly volatile pick there for sure. Uh, next guy I want to ask you about is, um, I'm sure you like this one. Uh, Mike Williams.
1: Love him. Mike Williams is a monster. And let me see where I have him. I think I have him in PPR. He'd be higher in non PPR again because he only gets 109 targets. The chargers um, are pretty efficient. They don't throw that much. And also, right. uh, Keenan Allen's obviously still the top target. But Mike Williams, number Terrell 19.
2: Williams. Tyrell What's Williams is gone, too. Tyrell yeah, Williams,
1: Williams is gone, but Hunter Henry is probably going right, to fill right. the targets. But uh, 71 catches for 966 and nine touchdowns. He had 10 last year and 66 targets. Obviously, that's going to regress. But this guy's like 6'4, 220 with massive wingspan. And I think he could easily lead the league in touchdowns. If he gets 120 targets. You know he's on the short list after like Devonte Adams and, and DeAndre Hopkins to lead the league in touchdowns. So uh, I I like him.
2: Yeah, and he passes the eye test too. He looks legit. He could be a monster where he's yes. going in drafts too. A um, couple other guys a little bit later. I'm curious your your uh, your thoughts on this situation in Arizona. I think Christian Kirk coming off surgery, but. Look, I like guys already been in the system for a year, but then again, it's a totally different system. He wasn't drafted by this regime, but I don't know. I, I wasn't overly you know, blown away by what I heard about the two rookies they drafted, but you could be different. So could be an awesome, you know, air raid offense, Kirk, sophomore or no. What do you think?
1: Could be. I, I'm really agnostic. I have Fitz, Larry Fitzgerald 39 because they paid him like $11 million or something. So like he's not going away. And then I got um, Kirk at 42 59 catches, 7.79 and 5 touchdowns. And then I've got Andy Isabella at 52, 56 catches, 8.03 and 3 touchdowns. And then I've got uh, Hakeem Butler somewhere like 80-something. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a lot of yardage piled up. But don't forget, you know, David Johnson's going to catch 60, 70 balls also. And it's a rookie QB in a new system. And it might click right away. I mean, It might be just super I mean, it's an exciting team now. It was a team that you had zero interest in last year and it's going to be very interesting this year, but I was, uh, it's hard for me to, to project, a, you know, I, the ceiling's high, but the floor is low. We just don't know that Kirk is the guy, right? It could easily be Andy right. and Isabella, easily. Yep.
2: yep. Um, one guy I, I wanted to ask you specifically about is because I noticed when um, Thorne put the rankings in when we did that mock draft, um, I think this guy was buried compared to where I have him. I thought he was using yours. Um, but um, I've never been a Dante Moncrief guy, but, Situation there in the Steelers, if Washington's a bum. You said it. Roethlisberger throws the ball like crazy. I mean, no Antonio Brown or Bell there. I don't know, man. What are your thoughts on Moncrief? I feel like that situation could be pretty good.
1: I man with 64th, 51 catches, 755 and five. There's upside beyond that for sure, but this guy's been around a while. Andrew Luck was his quarterback. He just never could really put it together, and it, it's been a while. It's not like been a year or two. I mean, it's been like five, six years now. And Washington was a bust last year as a rookie. He's a second-round pick. Didn't do anything. He'll, he'll be competing. They drafted a guy, I can't remember his name, in the third round who also is going to be in the mix. And they've got these slot guys like you know Ryan Switzer, Eli Rogers, and McDonald's involved, and they'll throw to Jalen Samuels and Connor. But Moncrief could be, you know, he could catch like 80 for 1,100 and seven or eight touchdowns. I mean, I think he has that kind of ceiling, but I just I, I don't know that he's good. You know, I mean, he's, he's got good size speed combo, but I don't know that he's like a really good NFL receiver.
2: Yeah. He had a ton of air yards last year and I I'm with you. He might not be, in fact, I would lean toward him not being, but I think that situation is so, so good. I, I had him like in the mid thirties on my initial ranking there. So it's certainly higher than you, you do. Well, well
1: I'll give you, I'll give you a different guy me. that I have that like that you is basically the same type of situation is, okay. um, Devin Funches. I have 34. So you probably have Moncrief right there. So Funches yeah. to me is he could be good, right? Because that, that offense is dysfunctional in Carolina and cam was hurt last year. So you can't even really consider it a legit passing offense. He had a pretty good year the year before when they got rid of Kelvin Benjamin and Funches is huge and he's only in his like third or fourth year. So he hasn't kind of proven that he's not good. He actually might be good. And then Frank Reich was saying good things about Funches, and you know, that, that rookie Paris Campbell looks like he might be the real deal, but You know, Hilton is not a target hog, unlike Juju, who's going to be a major target hog. So I actually like have Funchess where you basically were talking up Moncrief. But I just think Funchess, there's a chance that Funchess is actually really good.
2: Yeah, that's possible. They're the same age. And Moncrief certainly had to deal with a bad quarterback situation the last couple years. Yeah, uh, but but he had luck before that.
1: You know, I mean, he He did.
2: He did. He did. did. You're right. No, you're right. Um, Funchess, no, I like Funchess right around there, too. No no, no argument here. I, I like that situation for sure. The other one, it might even be worthless, but I'm curious your thoughts on the Buffalo receivers. I, I had Robert Foster ranked too high, just because I, I liked that guy at the end of last year, but I know that situation isn't ideal. And Zay Jones, I had totally written off after he, what he like was running down a hotel naked and like cut himself on glass, but he was good at the end of last I've, year. I've I definitely times.
1: bumped him up after that, obviously.
2: <laughs> Supposedly, yeah, of course, you should have went that way. And then he's like, he's yoked now. I think he showed up in the off season. I think did they they added someone in the draft too, right? But I like Foster, but. What are your thoughts on the Buffalo wide receivers?
1: problem with Foster, and I like Foster. He's big and fast, and he produced, but I have not 75. So John I've
2: What's got that? John Brown, duh. That's, they added John Brown. It's who they yeah, added. they added, added the guy who does that. exactly
1: what Foster does. You know, the yeah. guy that stretches the defense. So, like, it's not like they added some slot guy or something. They added yeah. the guy that basically takes Foster's role. I don't know why they did that. I mean, why not just stick with Foster? So, you got a team that I don't know that Josh Allen's, like, really gonna support a major passing game there. You got bad weather, you got John Brown taking his job. And, you know, they still have yeah, I have even uh Zay Jones at eighty eight. I have him even lower because I mean that's just like another guy and Zay Jones to me is very modest upside. So I have Foster at seventy five. I actually have Zay Jones is the number three Buffalo receiver.
2: Sure. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know why they made that addition there, but yeah the, just the passing game in general might be a mess there. All right. Did you have any other thoughts? Any other receivers like, uh, sleepers, the guys that jumped out, you thought that, uh, you're tough to rank or any other general thoughts?
1: So I guess my, the overall take, uh, just from doing, you know, looking at the overall numbers is that what's happened in the NFL is teams are opting for completion percentage over depth of target. They want people to stand closer to the quarterback and have more success completing passes rather than going for the home run. That's just been the trend in the last few years. More slot receivers, running backs are getting a ton of passes, and guys like Stephon Diggs. Is that just,
2: is that just everyone copying, copying Belichick? I mean, they've had that the, you know, horizontal offense. That's what they've been doing. I mean, I wonder if that's a copycat league or whatever.
1: Maybe so. You look at Michael Thomas. Uh, you look at all, all these guys, you know, Stephon Diggs. Thielen had one of the highest completion, you know, catch rates of all time last year. It wasn't near Thomas, but it was still ridiculous. It's dink and dunk. So that's sort of the thing. And, and, and what dink and dunk does is it makes, it kind of is like less skill, less size, speed, and just sort of crisp route running, rapport, trustworthiness. It sort of, it, it sort of flattens out the, the board. You know, it, it takes a lot of skill to, to beat somebody down the field and catch a ball on the full run, 40-yard, you know, there's just more skill in executing one of those plays. It doesn't okay. take a ton of skill to dink and dunk. So that's just my overall thing. I don't, I don't like the way it's going, but for some reason, maybe it's because the Patriots have done well with it. They teams have been doing that. Uh, I don't know if that will continue, but that's the way it's been going. The second observation is that I really like the Mike Williams, the DJ Moores, guys who are pedigreed guys who showed something, in their first couple of years, and now there are opportunities there. You know, no more Funchess. Newton looks like he's going to be healthy. There's no real second receiver. Maybe it's Curtis Samuel, but DJ Moore could be a monster, right? He should be like a legit number one. I have him at 20 overall. We talked about Mike Williams. I'm going to have some investment in those guys. Chris Godwin's another one. I only have him at 25, but I could still 988 yards, seven touchdowns, 75 catches. I'm pretty, you know, bullish on him. Another guy like that, you know, in his third year, showed that he's a good player. They cleared room for him. An interesting situation is Tennessee, right? So they have Corey Davis, who everyone expected to be good, yeah. really was a dud. Yeah. Then they add Adam Humphreys, which is another, you know, 80, 90 targets. They paid him a lot of money, so they're going to use him. And then they added AJ Brown, who's kind of a freak. Yeah. He's like 6'1, 230, and he runs a 4.4.9. So he's, for a dude that stout, he's actually fast. So that's just suddenly a very, and then Delaney Walker, who was out all year, comes back, yeah. like one of the okay. most targeted tight ends. So this, you know, this is a, a passing, and it's going to be a Derrick Henry run-first defense team. So you've got all this talent there, but it's it's kind of – I have them all on my board, but it's kind of hard to squeeze them in. And the last thing I'll say is that the Redskins have arguably the worst receiving core I've ever seen. Josh Doxson is my highest-ranked Redskins receiver, and they didn't even pick up his fifth-year rookie option. So they, they're they not even going to use him after this year, or they'll have to like sign him to a, a new deal, I guess. But they turned down his rookie option. The number two is Paul Richardson, who they've crazily overpaid, and he's not even going to be healthy until training camp. And then number three is this guy Terry McLaurin, who was uh, he's actually Dwayne Haskins' roommate, and he played with him in Ohio State. But, you know, he's a third-round receiver rookie, and that's their kind of other guy. So it's, I've never, I think that's the, absolutely the, one of the worst receiving cores I've ever seen coming into a season.
2: Yeah, the, um, the Titans, that's interesting. AJ Brown, um, I, I don't follow college, but everything I had read and re- places I respected, that's why I was rooting for the Niners to take in the second round. It seems like that guy could be a monster. Of course, Debo is going to be a monster himself, but AJ sure, Brown's yes. definitely interesting, interesting addition for Corey Davis, who had been relying so much on volume for sure. And yeah, Washington, I guess the answer there is draft Jordan Reed. Everyone's probably fed up with him being hurt always. But uh, he could just
1: be you know, a, a good situation I can't, there. I can't see it. I think he, I think he's the Jimmy Graham. You know, it's like he's not the guy he was. So even if he gets targets, I just don't think it's going to happen for him. The other weird thing is the Packers did not pick a receiver. So, like, th- there's Devontae Adams, and you've got Geronimo Allison, who's kind of a scrub coming back. You've got Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You've got Equinemius St. Brown. But nobody really knows who the number two is. I asked Herb, you know, he knows the Packers really well. And he's like, probably Allison, because Rodgers just likes the guys that he trusts. But (laughs) he wasn't sure. And sort of like, there's no number two there. I mean, forget about number three. Usually teams are like three, four. Look at the Titans. They're four deep, plus a tight end. The the Packers have Graham, and they drafted a tight end in the third round. But there's really nobody there that you're confident in at the number two.
2: Yeah, I kept ranking MVS too high last year. You killed me in my rankings a couple weeks. But, um, yeah, that's, well, that's why Devontae Adams, whom I agree with you, is not a special uh, you know, elite wide receiver I, in real life, has a strong argument for the number one fantasy spot right now. He's right there in the interchangeable top six, I thought. Wait, say but that I again. What? Devontae Adams. So, what about?
1: What, what, do you, what do you agree with me about with Devontae Adams? Say that one more time. So I just want you to get some of the hate that I got for the same exact statement.
2: He's uh, he's not an elite real life. receiver. No, he's uh, not NFL receiver, he's Not like top three real life NFL receivers. No, receiver top plus. three. Don't ben. be
1: don't be a nutless monkey. Number four is elite real life receiver.
2: Yeah, okay. He's not top five. He's not a top five real life. Top NFL six receiver. is elite real life receiver. Uh, I don't know where Adams is. I mean, he's not. He's good. Is he a top I mean, ten I real life receiver? I is, don't he know. Not,
1: I... is he a top real ten? Is he a top ten receiver?
2: He's probably in between ten and fifteen range. Probably around there. All right, I, have, I think he's like
1: 15th coach. or so, you know, 15, 20, but yeah. Oh. Okay. So we're mostly on the same page,
2: all right. but, but fantasy, there is a legitimate argument. Number sure. one. I mean, how many I touchdowns mean, has he scored recently, even without Rogers? Now look at that situation he's in. I mean, man, that's, that's really right there. Like he, it's a wide receiver who can score 20 touchdowns.
1: He could. The, the reason why I have him fourth, and it's not by a, a large margin, these guys are all really close. I actually have him leading in touchdowns with 11 is that it's a new coach. You yep. presume that yep. Rogers, you know, that's his guy, and he's going to throw to him. But remember, in Arizona, everyone's like, "Oh, David Johnson, he's going to be great. He's so good. He's you know, they're going to immediately, he's going to immediately be the guy and catch eighty passes and whatever." And it totally cratered. So he's fourth, and not by a lot. He, you know, if if I were to bump him up just slightly, he'd be first. But just realize change is not good when you're at the very, very top.
2: Totally. Yeah, I'm, I'm obviously not a McCarthy guy and I am a, a Rogers guy, but it's going to be very interesting to see how he performs this year. You know, with him aging the last couple of years, he had a uh, new system, no excuses. He says he's going to go off. Um, I expect them to. I do. I'll pick him to win that division. But it will be interesting if he uh, you know, he doesn't go crazy without McCarthy there. Um, all right. Uh, it's already been nearly an hour in, so I need to get to the uh, the biggest question on everyone's mind. Chris, list his thoughts on the Game of Thrones series finale.
1: Uh, I liked it. I thought, you know, like most finales, cheesy finales, The Lord of the Rings, I loved like that trilogy, but like they really dragged on the end way too long. There was some of that. There was too much goodbye to everybody, basically. They could have cut half an hour out of that, and it would have been just fine. But essentially, I liked what they did. I feel like they landed the plane. The last two episodes, I just felt like, wow, I was so shocked. What a good job they did. Because, spoiler alert, I guess, because if you haven't seen it yet, this is going to spoil it. But I like the fact that the solution wasn't who's going to win. It's like, fuck this. Fuck this game. Why are we playing this game? And why do we care who the real person in line because of this? They were just sort of like, no, that's not important. We're just going to decide that's not important. And uh, they showed, uh, they did a great job of showing you know, utilitarianism, I told you, in action, for the greatest good, we're going to liberate everybody in the world, so no matter what the cost, you got to follow me and liberate everybody in the world. We, you see how that's basically the, all evil st- stems from that, you know, where you think that your purpose is so important that the, the means doesn't matter, so she had to be brought down. Um, one thing in the second to last episode I thought was really, really good and subtle, which I didn't co- comment on, is do you remember how the, the evil Meister died?
2: Um yeah, yes, right? He'd thrown okay. down on the on the he was, literally
1: he, he was commanding the out and he was like, obey your queen, yeah. and the dude just yes. with the side of his hand just gave him a shove, smashed his head against the rock, and he was dead, and nobody cared one bit. The the action didn't pause. Cersei didn't even sure. blink sure. an sure. eye. She just
2: bounced. Yeah, she just bounced.
1: She yeah. bounced, the two uh Cleganes fought each other. That was the main attraction of that, you know, that was the main event in that situation and nobody cared. It was just the perfect dismissal of a life poorly lived. You know what I mean? It was like, "Boom, you're dead, nobody cares." You know, it was right, exactly. I thought that was yeah. just awesome. I thought they just killed him off with like like and it was like a backhand. He wasn't even he was just like shut up basically. That was all it and killed the yeah. guy like without even thinking twice. Yeah. And it was like this this thing that he made, this evil that he had made. I thought that was great. I you know, I just I just thought that the there was just a lot of truth in it. They uh they decentralized it i'll also I'll also say two other things that it seems like the the creators uh, had read a couple of books. One was the book Sapiens, which I read, which was pretty good because Tyrion starts going on about how stories are the most important thing. stories are more mm-hmm. important than you know whatever else the hell he's talking about and and that's like basically the one of the main themes of sapiens is how stories allow humans to organize narratives in a way that that other animals just can't organize beyond like their tribe, or primitive man couldn't. You know, the story allowed like a million people to march under the same army. I mean, you couldn't unite a million people without a story. And then the second book that it seems like they read, there's a famous ancient Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu or Lao Tse. I don't know how you pronounce it exactly. And there was a translation of his work. It's sort of like a the Bible for Taoists that I read in college. And basically, it went something like. The best leader is is the one that nobody knows is there. The second best is the one who's loved. The third best is the one who's feared. The worst is one who's despised. And it's kind of interesting because Bran was chosen, but he's the leader that nobody knows is there. Like, he has zero interest. He just kind of put Tyrion in charge of it and was like, he's the king, but he doesn't care at all. You don't even know that he exists. If you're a citizen of that area, of that kingdom, you don't even know. He doesn't even factor yeah, what, at
2: all. What did he do to help? By the way, during that big battle with the crows, like that was it. He just pieced out to watch. Like I mean, he never even ended up, you know, really helping or something with that magic. But anyway, go ahead. No, but
1: it, you know, it's it's sort of it's it's sort of the idea that like the the best leader you don't even know is there, and that's that's who they ended up right. choosing. It just seemed <laughs> like that was a an interesting thing. Yeah. And when they chose him, he said, "Yeah, why do you think I came all this way?" But unlike Danny, who was like drunk with power drooling over the the prospect of ruling he was like indifferent to it you just see him at the end like with his sisters in his wheelchair like being pushed around like there's not even like he's not even doing anything
2: right right Right. um yeah i have not read sapiens i heard it's good i heard the follow-up to that is good too but i'm gonna land somewhere in the middle of game game of thrones i get the criticism the last two seasons felt a little rushed but um entertaining and um it's nice to have you come around and not be super hypercritical to where i'm sure you were driving Heather insane, watching it, uh, you know, criticizing it. I'm glad you're able to at least enjoy the well, final episodes. I,
1: I, I give it credit. Like they, in the end, they did not pander. Like we're trying to actually watch a show where the characters, you know, if you're a writer, the characters have a life of their own, you know I mean? They, they have to do what they're meant to do. And I felt like they delivered that Danny from the beginning was a megalomaniac. She felt it was her divine right to dominate everybody in the world and rule. So like, what's the logical conclusion to that? It's exactly what happened. So I thought they were true to that character and that was good. And so they, I felt like they pulled it off. They didn't artificially make her a hero because she had a lot of fans that were identifying with her in a very sp- specific way. And I felt like they were starting to pander a lot with some of the shit in the earlier part of the season. And they, in the end, they didn't, they didn't do it.
2: Good. I'm glad to hear that you, you feel that way. Yeah, I mean, people going crazy. Worst ending ever, ever. Just very, very annoying people. Why were they mad? That, Why were know. they saying
1: it was the worst ending ever? Because they wanted the, They wanted to get a winner or something.
2: I don't know if you can please everyone. Yeah, I don't know. Brand, Brand was an uninspired, uh, you know, pick to, to you know to to. Yeah, it was because they the
1: wanted they, they wanted someone who's like, yeah, I got it. I'm the man. I won. You know, but it's like that's actually not the optimal person to be running the show.
2: No, totally. No, I'm with you. I um, a great, great show overall, really entertaining. And I don't know, it's like maybe the last of its kind. I mean, I still got together, you know, with a group of people every Sunday night. Never have I, well, I, I imagine, foresee myself doing that again, but um, especially with Netflix and all that. Speaking, speaking of which. Oh, come on, um, man.
1: Succession was what? your number one show. You'll be gathering for Succession episodes I'm sure that comes back.
2: I am, pretty, I am pretty pumped for season two. They, they were advertising that before Game of Thrones. I, I am pretty pumped for Succession season two. Um, speaking of Netflix, Dead to Me, I, I just binged that this last week. It's a dark comedy. Not, not going to super recommend it or anything, say it's great, but it's a half-hour show. If you're looking for a background show, you've seen Applegate, dark comedy. Not bad. Um, list, the other day I woke up and my eye is hurting me. Um, it's not pink eye cause it's not like pus or anything. Just apparently I scratched myself in my, in the sleep and like, it's super sensitive to light. And, um, that's really all I have other than who hurts himself while sleeping in the middle of the night, man. I mean, you're looking at him, your, your podcast partner here. Damage isn't. Are, are you auditioning?
1: Are you auditioning for, sweet. are you auditioning for a role that I need to put you back into?
2: Um, yeah. What's that?
1: The Nutless Monkey Avatar.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's my everyday life, pretty much. Yeah, I, I do that every every day. I wake up apparently. but um, yes, that's uh, I am I am a nutless monkey, in many ways, and this is just the latest example damaging my cornea while I sleep. Um,
1: I actually heard somebody that did that, and it was like you know they were like yeah, it just it was like a sore eye, and they thought they had pink eye, but it it wasn't pussing, so they found out they had scratched their cornea, and they sort of left it alone, and then I think it was like a week or two later. It got infected, and actually, the guy had to have his eye removed permanently.
2: <laughs> yeah, is, is that the case? All right. Well, uh, thank you for that. Putting that in my head. I'll, nah, that's I'm, just exactly, fucking,
1: I'm just fucking with you, dude. I'm just making okay, I just make that up. I know how paranoid you are, but I. No, just putting I, that I, in your I was,
2: head. I, I was falling for it until you said permanently removed eye. That's why I laughed. <laughs> you, you did. You did have me there, but I, I will keep my my eye on it. Uh, no pun intended. But um, well, I don't have anything politics here for you. I tried to search a little bit. Like I think you, you commented on Brexit um, on Twitter a little, but um, I don't I don't have much uh, myself. But do you have any do you have any thoughts before we go we we uh, we leave this podcast for the week?
1: Two quick thoughts. There was an article in the Daily Beast by some nutless monkey. I can't remember who, who totally smeared Tulsi Gabbard and her supporters as Russian sympathizers or something. And just keep an eye on that. Just watch if you're if you're curious about political coverage. If it's not the mainstream people that will do the mainstream neoliberal agenda, they're going to be smeared as, you're for Putin. Like, if you want more war, you know, and, and Tulsi Gabbard's obviously very anti-war, that's her, like, main platform, then you're with Putin. Like, if you don't support the wars and the regime changes, then you must be with Putin. That, just watch for that smear. That's going to be a common thing. And then, who's the other political... Oh, yeah, the Brexit thing. There's a guy I follow uh, on Twitter uh, is on the handle Guru Anaerobic, and he's this kind of strange. He's not he's not the jacked 65 year old guy that I follow uh, for health stuff, who's also excellent. That's P.D. Mangan, but this other guy. I saw
2: that. I started following him because of you. I saw that. Yeah. yeah
1: so. this, this Guru oh, Anaerobic he, guy.
2: He shat, that guy shat on um, the, the 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 meatless uh, hamburger stuff. That guy. Oh, I saw, I saw that.
1: everyone knows that's fucking. That's a terrible product. Like, don't. Don't ever fucking fall for that shit. You want to be a vegetarian, be a vegetarian. Don't eat a fake hamburger. You know what I mean? And if you're a vegetarian, you know, make sure you're getting enough dairy products and enough eggs and stuff like that. Make sure you're getting your nutrients. But whatever, that's fine. Don't eat fake meat. That's a huge mistake. You know, that lab meat is a huge, huge mistake. But this guy was talking about Brexit, and he was basically saying, and there's like the chance that they revote, and obviously, that's extremely dangerous because how can you even get a revote? Because I don't know anything about British politics except that if you voted for Brexit and you got it and they decided to revote because they didn't like the result, why would you show up to the yeah, polls they, again? I mean, oh, yeah, you just, right. why? Would, so it'll be like 90 10 against for staying. And they'll be like, yeah, see, everybody wanted to stay. But it's like, no, it's like you just basically subverted the will of the people and so they no longer have faith in your democracy. I mean don't be an idiot like what's actually happening. But what he said, which I thought was hilarious, he said like oh it's it's there's nothing I don't have to tell you that you know that the oligarchs and the government don't believe in democracy. We know that. It's just more that the average person doesn't really believe in democracy when it doesn't go their way and your perfectly nice next door neighbor doesn't believe in democracy when they don't get their way. And he said, I've always said the average person is a monster. And I love that. Right. Because the average person really can be a monster. I, I think the people who are very friendly, personable, chatty, successful uh, are some of them. If you really scratch the surface, there's a lot of fascism going on. That They're willing to tolerate a lot of bad as long as it keeps their, uh, their beliefs intact, their beliefs about how the world works. And uh, I've just noticed it. I'm not saying they're through and through irredeemable or anything like that. I just think that you'd be surprised that the average person can really be a monster. So I thought it was a, I thought it was a great threat.
2: Yeah, and no, I like that too. Um, all right, man. Good stuff.
1: All right. On that note, I'll talk to you next week, man. Take it easy. All
2: right. all right. Later, Liz.
1: You are listening to a Real Man Wood podcast. If you want to give us stars or rate the podcast, please do. Feedback is welcome on Twitter. And uh, of course, uh, spreading the word is also always welcome. And the uh, Twitter handle of where I launched the podcast is at
2: A Real Man Wood. Not really sure how many spaces there, are, but if you search for A Real Man Wood, you will find it on Twitter.